0: Hello you lovely lot and welcome to episode two of the Embers Collective podcast coming out to you from a shed in Seven Sisters Tottenham. Uh, my name's Rixie and I'm going to be telling a story today all about the Pisky Revelry and we've got Tim Carp here with us Hello. and he's going to be doing music and Lonan Jenkins Oh yeah. and he's just here for the crack. So <laughs> sit back, relax and enjoy. So Here's a story that came to me from my grandma, my Mamgee, and it comes all the way from Ogham, Dartmoor, the West Country. Now it's tumbled down through the years, falling from tongue to tongue, passing ear to ear before it's found itself here, in your ear, wherever you may be. And it tells the story of Simon Smedley. Simon is skinny, tall and lean his hair slicked back with an oily sheen miserable and mean he's forever pissed off like a man lost in a world of soup with nothing but a fork he's the sort of bloke who pinches ladies bums in pubs and pokes babies in their prams and punches puppies in the face he's not a nice guy really not a nice guy And so he finds Simon making his way down those paths of Dartmoor through the mist and the muck that makes up those moors and all the mud that got on his shoes that were brand new last week. And he raised his head to the sky and he cried stupid rain, stupid mist, stupid muck, stupid shoes that were brand new last week. Not a nice guy. Really not a nice guy. And so he makes his way past those tours. You know, the stones piled high by people from years before that are carved with ancient markings. They used to whisper with an ancient magic that's not heard anymore, but is still there if you know how to listen. And no matter where you are in the world or how alone you think you may be, there's always something Listening. Simon wasn't listening nor did he care he took one look at those tours and he spat straight down on the floor stupid tours stupid rocks stupid ancient markings which once whispered with a magic that I can't hear anymore not a nice guy really not a nice guy and so he carried on down that path he thought he knew but if he'd have stopped and paused he would have seen those markings began to glimmer and glisten and that ancient magic Began to whisper For those that could listen But Simon carried on Through those dark woods Down the path he thought he knew and all of a sudden It led him askew And he found himself Walking in some woods That he'd never been before The bushes were thicker The leaves were greener and the mushrooms well the mushrooms were bigger anyone else finding themselves in a part of the woods that they've never been filled with shadows and magic and mischief makes their way straight back to what it was though ever they pissed off and they say sorry but not simon smedley Using his fists and his feet, he began to punch and kick his way through that arboreal see Stupid bushes, stupid branches, stupid leaves, stupid giant mushrooms! Not a nice guy. Really not a nice guy. Until he was stopped mid carnage by the sound of a beautiful melody coming to him through the trees. A whispered song on the breeze. And he couldn't help but follow it. And he found this song steering him to a clearing where Laughing, dancing, twisting, turning, partying were... Piskies. Do you know about Piskies? Well, they're a bit like you, but more like me. They're the wee folk, the tree folk. They are likely to cause mischief. Good clean grief, you must believe, but they really are thieves. They wear colourful clothes and pointy shoes and they have spiky hair and brilliant, colourful eyes. And Simon found his eyes locked onto one who sat in an acorn throne beneath a giant oak tree. (sighs) She must have been a pisky princess. She wore a rose petal dress and had a crown of flowers garland around her head upon which sat some spiky black hair which hung down over these pale blue pools of mystery eyes that Simon just wanted to dive into. Ah, oh, he said, she is lovely. I'm gonna steal her. I'm gonna take her. I'm gonna put her in my pocket and run back home and then I'm gonna put her in a cage and poke her with a stick and make her dance to me and everyone in the town will come and see my dancing pisky and they'll pay me money and I'll become fat and rich and drunk and happy because I'm Simon Smudley, and I'm not a nice guy. So Simon began to sneak his way round that clearing, thinking that the piskies weren't hearing, but if he'd have paid attention, he would have known that there's always someone listening until he found himself behind that oak tree. And taking off his hat, he made ready to jump out and grab her with a one, a two, and a three. I can't move. I can't move. Simon found himself rooted to the spot, he couldn't move any of his limbs and before him all those Piskies stopped their dancing and spinning and turned to look at him with ever so mischievous grins. Hello Simon, you're ours now. And then he watched as they went to his left and his right and in front and behind and with vines they got his legs and his knees and his hips And his arms, and his shoulders, and his neck, and his head. And there, right in front of all of them, they made him dance. Round and round and round he went. Spinning, twisting, arabesquing, jetaying, and all the other things that are to do with ballet that I've forgotten. And his heart began to beat in his chest, and tears streamed down his face. Stop, he cried. Please, stop. Until... Eventually, on his hands and knees, he couldn't help but find himself going, <smart noise> Simon was sick all down his front, and then the Piskies did stop, and they gathered in a huddle in front of him, and they whispered in each other's ears, dah, 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 dah. Yeah, and then, one by one, Bit by bit they took off all of his clothes, his shoes, his socks, his trousers, his shirt, his hat, his coat, until eventually his ever so grey and slimy pair of pants. Simon stood stark naked in front of those mischievous little people and once again they made him round that clearing go dancing round and round and round and then they made him go out into the town his balls brushing against brambles his bum rippling in the moonlight nakedly as spinning, dancing, crying, covered in his own sick he went crashing into his local pub. You're right, Simon. What's going on there, mate? You're all naked, covered in your own sick, one drinker questioned. Oh, there's little people, Simon replied. There's little people in the woods. There's little people in the woods, and they've they've taken my clothes. <laughs> There's little people in the woods and they've taken my clothes and they're making me dance and they've, they've made me be sick. <laughs> All right, Simon, said the pub, take us to the little people. And so Simon showed him. And he led them out into that moonlight, nakedly dancing and jabbering in front of them. And as he took them back to the clearing, there, with the moonlight beaming down, they shot him. Shot him right in the back of the head. You are kind of mad people walking around, can you? It's annoying. And it was a different time. A different time. Quite an ending, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Thing is, that was genuinely because I couldn't think of an ending. So I just was like, hey, shot him. Right In the back of the head. And then you have to sort of balance it with different time, different time. Um but that was really weird because I I don't know if that particularly worked doing that as a recording. Because mm. it's such a you know, when I do it live it's such a visual thing i'm like arms and legs yeah and...
1: but you're you man you're really good at it was fine really okay. it was good thank you very much it was really good <laughs> no but it's just interesting
0: how you're a fucking voice actor you've nailed that's it that's very true <laughs> but it's also no but i was just saying, it's interesting how how something changes as soon as you change the medium in which it's delivered as well yeah so it's like when you see something live it's just the energy and the the visual aspect of it, the physicality, but with this, it's like bringing all of that into just your voice, mm. and it's just really fun you, to play you around. To, and,
1: you have to, you uh, have to, you end up relying on physical humour as well. Yeah. Physical humour, and not, not just humour, but physical acting. You know, if something's uh, sad, you make a sad face, or your, your body, yeah, your yeah, body yeah. changes, and it, you have to do
0: that. You have to put it all into your voice, into and it's just, voice. It just, it really yeah. makes it interesting because it really makes you think about. How you're delivering, um, how you're delivering the story, how you're actually, you know, when when you don't have the benefit of an, of a live audience, Are you so actually basically, basically
2: you can't get your dick out here like you did it. No, I
0: can't get I can't get my dick out here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> which makes everything a lot better and easier somehow. Just
1: to fill you all in, uh, <laughs> at Shambhala Festival uh, this year, Rixie, uh, yeah, well you know now he got his got his bits out at the end of that story.
0: <laughs> Uh, it worked. Not sure why you did that. Did he? <laughs> it worked. It worked for the story. It's four in the morning. Shabala, yeah, it yeah, yeah. worked. It worked at the time. <laughs> oh, pardon me.
1: Um, but yeah, you you were actually acting. You, you were physically acting during that during that take yeah. as well. You had the pint in your hand, and you had you were being yeah.
0: sick and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, it's just it's, it's, it's it because you you must find it as well. Is when you've got and you must find it with your music as well. When you are doing something in a studio you don't have the benefit of a live audience. You don't have that energy. Mm. You don't have that. Mm. Because you get an immediate response as to whether or not what you're doing is...
1: And it's also what you're supposed to do with music and stories and and everything. You're supposed to have an audience. That's the whole point, is that you're sharing knowledge and you're sharing stories. So when they're not there, it's kind of like, whoa, what? Why am I doing
2: this? Well, it's a it's a conversation between you and the audience, and if there's no audience, you're just talking to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's uh, that's just madness. For some madness. Yeah, that's just madness. You get shot for that in Darwin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get shot for it. Those times. Um, Tell us a bit about uh, like where how you came across it and, and putting it together. So
0: it came about that it is based on a genuine story that comes from cor- I, I want to say Cornwall. Piskies are a very West Country Cornish thing. Um, they're really mischievous like they're like pixies, but there's always there's a transactional thing between them So you if you piss them off then they'll steal your baby mm. or they'll take all the uh, Take all your clothes for example, and this comes this is a jet a story that comes from Cornwall I believe where a, a drunk man is on his way home and he comes across the pisky revelry, which is a big party that the the Piskys have once a year in a clearing with um, giant mushrooms around it because, you know, the fairy rings are always in the middle of mushrooms. And he tries to steal the Pisky Prince in the original story. Um, And then they basically pin him down, take all his clothes and send him back into the town. And and in, in that version, it's like no one believes him. So he's like then doomed to being considered the madman who found was found with all his clothes taken off him. Mm. Um I changed the ending because it was it's funnier <laughs> in, my, in my opinion, just to end it like that. So I just took that boat the bones of that and then just thought, okay. And then the um the the rhyming aspect of it, it just came as I started it literally just it fell out of me in a way it was the it seemed like a natural way to tell this story which is so big and and hyper and quick and it just mm. was a really nice way to sort of keep the keep the flow going almost mm.
1: um which is it's a it's a beautiful technique to use i think it really draws people in when you start they, they don't expect it as well, mm. and I think you're quite rhythmical with your with your talking as well and your storytelling. So it's like it's almost like you're singing as well with especially when I'm playing the music, and you're, yeah, I, I always find that you're actually it may not seem like it, but but you're in time with me.
0: No, which it, which, which well, I don't know if you realize that. Yeah, like no, me. no, you no, really I do. Are in yeah. time. I'm, I'm I, am, I, I do listen. <laughs> no, and it's like and I try to, and it's it's having that thing because I'm I wouldn't ever say class myself as a musician, but it's really nice to have to have that element of i am i'm listening to the music and i'm i know that i'm guiding the dynamic of it so i'm i'm guiding Mm. you know how the intensity of your playing but it's also listening to what you're doing within it and being like well it would sound really horrible if i was to fall in on that beat within the music than if Mm. i was to fall in on another beat so it's it's really nice to have that driving aspect of the music behind you Mm. and it also gives it also gives well it gives me, particularly me where it gives me like the weight behind what i'm saying in a way or the force behind what i'm saying and like oh okay like i can feel this is ramping up and we're both matching each other hmm. in that regard and it's really fun to sort of have that conversation between between music and story and it yeah. really it's just such a marriage isn't it
1: yeah we uh we were talking about this the other night actually about slightly different but but how the music can completely change a, a moment or a mm. feeling so yeah. so use the example the other day of like a really um a really dark moment in a story you know you could have so many different kinds of music to emphasize that you could have dark music you know mm. something very low and, and and moody and and dread you know kind of mm. dread sound which is the kind of obvious choice mm. or you could have like something really really loud and hectic mm. for a, for a dark moment or you could have silence mm. yeah and it would like, you know, e- mm. each one of those things will just, would yeah, change how the how the, yeah.
0: how the words feel, basically. Mm. But I think that's testament to a musician in, when when like a musician is accompanying a story, is actually knowing when not to play. Mm. In the same way a good musician in a jam knows when not to play. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's the same as, um, and actually, and it's, it's the same with the storyteller being like, well, how long do I need to leave this beat? How long do you leave that pause? Because that makes or breaks. And, an and how much attention. do you need to say? How
1: much information do you yeah. need to give? Do you mm. need to say how red and shiny that apple was? Or can you just mm. say an apple and then you let the audience decide how, yeah. how it looks?
2: Well, you give them give them permission to, to create it in their own heads and then everyone creates their own version of it and, and it's, it's a much more personal experience. Whereas if you... Really describe something in a lot of detail. You're not giving the audience permission or or, yeah. or the and opportunity. That's why storytelling
1: that. is is so powerful because it gives people the opportunity to be a composer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of, or, or, or a, a film painter. producer. A a painter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Um, you just all you do is conjure an image.
1: You yeah. walk away from a from a superhero movie feeling. Kind of a little bit empty inside, don't you? You've just been given all this information. Spoon fed. Yeah. I quite like them. Everybody <laughs> quite, but you do, don't I you? I quite like just... them. I don't I'm not, you
2: know, for me. I no. watch
1: I watch them, but I they don't get any pleasure. Yeah. I just I like the noises, I
0: like the colours. <laughs> but with story no, with storytelling, you're right, and it is that like building the beauty of it is, from what I've in the short time I've been doing it, is the audience is people's reaction to it is I got I I could see it and I I got to like build this entire world Mm. myself and the person next to them doesn't see the same thing which is really lovely Mm. and that's really nice Um, it's, it's almost like when you read a book and it's like you imagine you have such a clear image of the characters in the book yourself. Mm. And then release a movie and ruin it all for you. That's the thing. That's what happened with Harry Potter for me. Like, I had such a clear idea of what those characters looked like. And yeah, then, yeah. And now I can't think of it. I mean, not to slag off the Harry Potter universe. No, <laughs> oh, you totally did. But, um, yeah, I did. <laughs> but um, that's, that's it. I think there's something really magical about harnessing an audience's imagination and just letting them just... Mm build it all themselves it's yeah. so it's such a
2: nice thing to be able to facilitate um it's it it's got quite a reaction this story yes. hasn't it uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> it does well it's got a couple of endings
0: yeah um oh because so. it started off as the the dancing epidemic yeah which will be an interesting one to try and do mm-hmm. as a
2: recording where i guess part of our Back to the wood show that we did at Wilderness, and it, it yeah flows into the yeah. Dancing epidemic. Can you
1: explain what the dancing epidemic
2: was? So, uh, the dancing
0: epidemic is something entirely in its own self, where an entire town in uh, I think Alsace, was, yeah, Alsace in Germany in the 15th century, um, or 16th century, ah oh, it doesn't matter, but they were overcome with this desire to dance um because of ergot in the bread which is well, a, That's what they think it was yeah. this is a true story this yeah. is this isn't <laughs> this isn't a yeah one. and this this entire town just couldn't stop dancing and so all of the government officials of the area were like well, what do we do so they just sent musicians <laughs> there
2: <laughs> and to, make it
0: look <laughs> to, to make it look normal the musicians <laughs> would just play for this town that were dancing um, until people just people just drop dead. So they the just. What, how, how? Why did they?
1: Why couldn't they stop dancing? Did you say? Uh,
2: because it was. They were ha- it's like they're having fits or seizures. They um, think that the. They think there was a psychedelic fungus that was baked in the bread, mm. and basically everyone in the town ate um, okay. ate the bread, and they also have theories that the Salem witch trials were similar, were influenced by a similar thing. But um, wow, I don't. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like a wheat that that is psychedelic if it. I think it's fungal. So we took that idea and we were at Wilderness
0: Festival and we we made a show for Wilderness Festival um for, uh, with with lots of wonderful elements of storytelling, live music, clowning, physical theater, dancing mm. and um basically the the way we ended that story that you've just heard uh, there was with uh, all of the people in the pub finding themselves dancing with Simon, and they just as Simon Smedley couldn't stop dancing, everyone in the pub couldn't stop dancing, and then that went into a song which um, which involves everyone in the whole pub dancing until they're sick, dancing until they're sick, and then dancing until they're dead. <laughs> and <laughs> it's really fun to do. And because, we had the whole of like yeah, the whole fe- the whole festival dancing with us, yeah. right. really and nice. then being sick with us, and. Uh, dying. dying with our, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, and so that was a, an alternate ending. But it would be really interesting to actually try and do that. I don't know how to as try and do that. yeah to try and do that as a podcast. Mm. Maybe that's one for the future when we've got more microphones and room and space. Mm. <laughs> See if we can manage that. Um, sweet, cool.
1: Well, that was Rixie telling uh, yeah. the story of the Piskies, and thanks for listening to episode two here in Tottenham and see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.